Hey everyone, and welcome back to a new edition of Four Friends in a Book Podcast. My name is Chris Colson, and I'm here with my friends Isaiah Toots, Kimberly Lake, and Laria Reed. And again, we are Four Friends in a Book. <laughs> Active with a, a exciting episode for you guys. We're doing the best of Four Friends in a Book. So some of our <laughs> favorite moments, our highlights wow. uh, from our podcast. Just kind of looking back and reflecting on where we've come from here on Four Friends in the Book. So hopefully you guys enjoy this special episode of Four Friends in the Book podcast. Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. Uh, man, I mean, this cover art is like, yeah, first of all. Nailed it. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, we in this... This romance novel kind of genre for this month. Um, just so many topics covered in this book. I mean, Larry just mentioned it. Love. We're talking about death, marriage, friendship, uh, mental health, depression, uh, trauma, relationships, dating. Like just so many different topics within this book. But it's centered around the two main characters, Yasmin and Josiah Wade. Uh, so kind of lovers that have kind of hit a rough patch and have gone through a divorce, but yet and still they have a business together. They, they run a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's based out of Atlanta. They have two children and now they're trying to figure out this post-marriage life, uh, co-parenting, stepping into dating, still dealing with old traumas, uh, still a, a desire or inkling of maybe wanting to be back together. So it's a lot of different things within his book. And like I said, I was, I was actually surprised, you know, I, I, the romance, you know, really ain't my, I just can't really get jiggy with it, but it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. So let's get into it. Let's unpack it. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Y'all know how we do it over here at Four Friends in the Book Podcast. So you know what it is. What did you think about the book? And if you had to rate it on a scale of one to 10, what would you give it? And since Miss LaRiel Reed talking about love over here, I'm going to come to you <laughs> first and let you kick this uh, this review off uh, before I let go by Miss Kennedy Ryan. What did you think about this book? I loved the book. It was so lovey-dovey and realistic all at the same time. I liked the way um, Kennedy the author, let's talk about how great she wrote this book. I was, um, well, I did it on Audible, listen to it, but the way she described certain scenes and certain things that were happening, I literally had visuals in my head of what was happening. And most of the time I don't do that with books, but with this one, she was so descriptive in like mm. what the person had on, the setting, what it felt like when she walked in and this, and, that. and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So she did a great job with writing. I enjoyed the realistic fact of it because it's a lot of couples who go through that, go through death, having a business, trying to make it through the pandemic, trying to make it through different things. Um, It's just, I enjoyed the book completely. I like the characters of the children and how she made them realistic. Um, It just seemed like, and I keep using the word realistic, it just seemed like something that I could talk to somebody about and I got a friend going through this now. You know what I'm saying? It just felt so real life. And I really, I know we're going to talk about that, but I really want this to be a movie for real, for real. (laughs) 
So yeah, it, it was good. Cause I am, by the way, a Hallmark Channel lifetime person. I can do that all day. So this is right up my alley. I loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's your rating? Oh, my rating. I give it like, um, I would give it like a nine. I enjoyed it. I haven't given anybody a 10, I don't think. Except for Malcolm X. He always oh, has a 10. Sure. <laughs> that's okay. Bay. Look, that's Bay. <laughs> You're the husband. <laughs> yeah, look, if y'all hadn't heard, go check back. What was that, season one? Yes. Yeah, Laria. Episode really, two. Yeah, she, she really... Yeah, Love she got a little thing for Malcolm. Yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> My kind of guy. All right. So coming to my good brother, Mr. Tooks over here, man. Look, I don't know if you feel like I felt, you know, this this romance thing. You know, it really wasn't kind of my forte. But what did you think about this book, man? What did you, uh, how did you feel about it? How did you make, how did it make you feel? And if you had to rate it on a scale of one to 10, what would that be? Oh, gosh. I don't even want to answer this question. <laughs> well, honestly, this book had a lot of words, but not nearly enough words that I thought it was going to ha- be about. You know, it just seemed so wordy, and the story just went on and on, and I just knew my HBCU family, Josiah and Yasmin, was about to have, like, make these words come alive. We're just about to boss up in this book. <laughs> but I was just so disappointed. The book synopsis was just, like, made up. Like, the stuff wasn't relevant at all. Like, like Lareel said, Kennedy Ryan. Now, I can't, I cannot negate the fact that she was very descriptive of how she painted the scene. She actually made you feel that you was in the scene. But for the chapter, the chapter, it just was not, like, some rel- no relevance to me on my end. Like Chris said, like, I was into romance, but, you know, I can follow a story alone. But it just dragged, it's like, it was like one chapter, one just, just dragged on through the book. <laughs> But, but overall, you know, it was just like a great read. She was a great descriptor of what she did. But I was just ready to put this book down and just leave it down. And it's like, and it's something that I probably won't ever pick up again. But overall, I rate this book up four. What? I think. Yeah, so I, I think that might be the lowest rating we've had. I know. Ever. We've got some books that are that were not as good as this one. It, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I look. I understand, man. I, I I understand. I understand. So I try. I try. I promise. I try. He's like, I try. So we got a nine. We got a four. Kimberly Lake. What did you think? Like you following up after Isaiah on that one? I don't even know how you follow his <laughs> his, uh, his yeah. But what did you think about this book? And what was your rating on a scale of one to ten? Well, I'm I'm gonna follow Maria. I'm gonna piggyback off of her. I thought the book was great. I too love. I, I love love. So I love a good love story. And for me, what really sold the book? I listened to it on Audible. And the two voice actors that read the novel were really, really good. Like, they were, like, acting Mm -hmm. for real. Mm -hmm. And I went to look them up, sidebar, and they don't show (laughs) their faces, apparently. I guess since they narrate a lot of books, they don't want people to associate, I guess, their face with the character. So Mm -hmm. they all their pictures are, like, not of their face or not at all. But anyway, 
I think the book was great. Like Maria said, I thought it was a realistic love story. I thought the characters and their personalities were realistic. Also, I thought um, just overall her writing made me feel like I was watching a movie. Like Maria said, like I could like see her in the closet with his shoes on, like everything, the dog, everything she was describing. Like I just felt like I saw it. So I thought it was a great book. Um, I would recommend it. Um, I mean, if you think, look, it's a romance, so it's steamy. So you know, if you a little, you know, if you on sex scenes and all this stuff, there were plenty. Plenty, plenty. So if you like, eh, this might not be, this, plenty. <laughs> this might not be for you, but <laughs> plenty. plenty. But overall, I thought it was a great book, and I would rate it. You know, I always got to put points on stuff, so I would say eight point five. Okay. Okay, so we got a a nine, a four, and an eight point five. I already hear you, Chris. Break it home. <laughs> so, as I opened the show up and said earlier, I wasn't really looking forward to reading a romance novel. Uh, you know, look, as we talked about many times before, you know, your boy loved history. I love autobiographies. I love just kind of the, the realism of mm-hmm. expression in the book format. Um, but Honestly, I was pleasantly surprised by this book. Um, I see, I think the difference might have been I, I too listen on Audible. Okay. And like Kim mentioned, the narrators on there, man, like they really brought the characters to life. I mean, the voices, like the just the tones they were using, just the characters. It really, like Larry mentioned, like I really visualized this. Okay. This this book and so maybe that might have been the difference because I listened on Audible as well mm-hmm. um, and it was good man I, I was pleasantly surprised um, it was relatable I think a lot of the topics in the conversations or things that were going on in the book are things that we can all relate to or personally or know someone that may have gone through those things mm-hmm. um, so like Kim mentioned, yeah, you know, it's, it's a romance novel. So, yeah, you know, you got the love making the sex scenes and all the love, all that stuff. Uh, you know, it wasn't really my thing. But it, it was well written. Um, it wasn't too over the top. I understand why y'all women love these romance novels. I you know yeah, the words like getting very descriptive. Like out. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I did. I enjoyed the book. It was good. If I had to rate it on a scale of one to ten... I'm gonna give it an eight. I'm gonna give it an eight. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, the characters really had me drawn in. Um, Josiah and Yasmin, Dejan Kasim, even even the dog Otis, he he was showing up in the book. So mm-hmm. I really loved it. Look, the character Hendrix was wild. Like I yeah, so good book, good character development, um, good expression. And like I said, definitely um if you guys haven't read it and want to kind of hear a good I guess expression of it the audible version is like awesome so uh, check that out also so yeah I give it an 8 so we got a, a 9 a 4, an 8.5 and an 8 so okay, we got that, got that one little outlier here he was uh, yeah Can't I understand though man and, and, maybe, and maybe I should have listened to it because the, the chapters just was not doing it for me as I was reading I'm like 
I mean, what y'all do for fun besides <laughs> what y'all be doing? <laughs> what y'all do for fun? <laughs> so what are depths in the conversation skills? Like, you know, <laughs> come on, right. buddy. Said, we, don't, we don't talk about it. We get it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's that, that romance part where, you know, you got to have a, got to have that strong presence of love within the uh. book. So, Okay. <laughs> Again, we kind of talked about it and discussed it. This is really just a letter to his son, um, really conveying kind of life lessons, things that he's learned. Uh, Tanahasi just learned through his his process of just development, um, growth as a man within his country. Um, like I say, he talks about touches on his childhood experience growing up in Baltimore, then going to Howard, getting into journalism. Um, traveling, all kind of things that really just are kind of brought out through this book. So mm-hmm. um really want to get you guys' thoughts and opinion on this because he really just, again, touches on this childhood mm-hmm. and experience that, he, that he's had. Did you find any, um, I guess, kind of parallels or even similarities that you identify with um, through his story that you can really relate to your own life story um, as you're reading this book, Between the World and Me, by Tanahasi Coates, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna come to uh, Laria on this one, on this question. What were your, did you find any parallels or similarities, or did you identify with anything within his story um, that really stuck out, uh, stood out to you as you were reading this book or listening to this book? Okay, well, yeah, um, I think I don't. There's like a um, a talk I think that a lot of Black parents have with their children that a lot of other races don't have to have. And I remember even being younger and hearing different stories from my parents or overhearing things that they went through. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my friends wouldn't treat me like that. Like what? (laughs) Like white people would do you like that? Like I have white friends that they don't treat me like that. And for the majority of my life, I have had white friends who have not treated me any different than the black friends that I had. But it was just Mm -hmm. so difficult for me to receive that until I got to, I'll never forget, I think I was in my first grade and a kid, a little girl was like, do you put grease in your hair? Black girls put grease in their hair. And I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, that was when we was using jam. If you're a black, <laughs> you're a black girl, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we used to do the French rolls and all that. Yeah, that spritz and that jam. Mm-hmm. We used to Damn. have the, uh, that's what we used to straighten our hair for Easter and all those different things. But, um, but yeah, we would have gel and stuff. And so I was like, well, yeah, because I need my hair to stay. And it was like, so when you wash it, do you, I, I'll never forget it was this girl. I didn't even know who she was. And I was just looking at her like, why are you asking me? It was like an, interroga- an interrogation on the playground mm-hmm. about my hair. Mm-hmm. And I went almost like, she kept asking me like about black people and hair. So my mom was telling me the difference between white people hair and black people black hair. You know, we had the whole talk. And then I think it was like that same year, this boy who I remember his name, I won't say it because you uh, know, put, it, put, it out. <laughs> put it out. But he called me the N-word and for and it was for no reason. I was just sitting there. He was just like <laughs> while well, I was in the class, because I was like, it was like me and maybe two or three other black people in the class. And, um, you know, as soon as I heard that, I went straight to the teacher's desk. I was like, oh, you getting in trouble today. Mm-hmm. 
And um, the counselor came and talked to me and was like, how do you feel about that? And are you okay? And, you know, but look, I said all that to say <laughs> that, you know, that unwritten the parallel of what he gave his son with preparing him. My parents have really kind of given me that talk, but in my mind, because I had never experienced anything, I didn't believe that it would really happen because I was still mm -hmm. young. You know, I mean, a child. So I really mm. didn't, you know, and I had seen all the civil rights stuff and everything, but I just didn't believe it would happen to me because I had such great people around me who happened to be white. So when it did happen, it was like, what? Like, what's wrong with you? I'm just a little darker. Mm. Like, why are we doing this? So that's my whole spiel on that. But yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Hurt and my I little feelings. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all have those moments where we kind of uh, just kind of identify. Like I said, I, th I think that is one similarity that we can all share as kind of just Black Americans growing up in this country that there's probably some overlap as far as things that uh, we've experienced that are probably common, whether good or bad. Um, right, you talking, right. about, talking about the jam and the hair, I mean, I'm pretty sure people can relate to that. So. <laughs> yeah, jam works. I still it use did. it a little bit. Yeah, it, it was laid up edges. You be, and you don't have like, little ladies. You don't get caked up on the side. <laughs> Nothing. Not the, not the jam, edges. like all the edge control, all the edge control and stuff. Mm -hmm. Go get you some Walmart. jam. Yeah, some jam, and it is cheap, and it go a long way. <laughs> Look. How did this turn to a hair tutorial and a right. jam and a sponsor us? Yeah. Yeah. Jam, jam, sponsor us. Jam, sponsor sponsor us. us. Jam, jam is the bomb. <laughs> it really is. It's good. Yeah. Um, I think for me, as I was reading this book, I really identified with just kind of the, the process of growing and developing. Um, so, Natana mm. kind of talks about just growing up in the inner city, you know, being a, a boy and just trying to survive in the neighborhood. And I think we mm -hmm. all, kinda, especially for, for boys and men, we kind of have those experiences of trying to, really trying to find ourselves and just you know, trying to stay out of trouble, but you know, it's always around you, things that may uh, kind of come up or situations that may kind of come up. And he really kind of touched on that. I, I think I really kind of found some similarities with that. Like, so I, of course, I didn't grow up in the inner city. You know, I'm, I'm a country boy from Mississippi, so I didn't have that experience, but just still, Mm -hmm. trying to navigate life. I mean, you do certain areas to stay away from. You do certain people that you really shouldn't associate with. And it's really trying to find that balance. Like, you kind of wanted to be cool, but you, you know, you knew that sometimes the cool stuff wasn't the, the cool stuff to do. So just really trying to find that balance. Um, but also really his experience as far as going to college um, and kind of really finding himself and really fully developing himself. And so I, I kind of had a similar experience as well. Mm -hmm. um, I was pretty well formed before I got to college, but it, it really kind of allowed me to really kind of kind of stand in my truths and be more confident about myself, um, things that I knew to be true, and not to just uh, be so, I guess, crowd-oriented, just, you know, trying to fit in with the crowd or whatever. So I, I really identified and connected with that piece. Um, you can really tell throughout this book, it's like, him being at the, at the Mecca, which he kind of refers to, it was really like some formidable years for him to really kind of help him develop and just kind of set a strong foundation for him and, and life mm -hmm. and experience. So I kind of really connected with those two pieces, just really growing up as a, as a young boy into manhood and also just really being in college and really kind of 
fine-tuning yourself what kind of areas that I really identify with uh, that he really kind of touched on through this book. Um, so, all right. Coming to Kim, Kimberly Lake next. What uh, Did you have a, a moment or anything that you identified with as you were listening or reading this book from Ta-Nehisi Coates, Between the World and Me? Um, when I was listening to it, like the most, most of the time when I was listening to the book, I was like, we're so different. Like he grew up different than me. Like mm-hmm. I grew up in church. He went to HBCU. It was just funny how like the whole book, it was kind of refreshing to hear a different um, person's life. But when he talked about that twice as hard, that's something that, um, I have experienced. And when I, um, heard that it took me back to college, I won't say what college, but I remember being in a class. I won't say what class, but I'll tell Larry after, cause we, we took the same class, but I remember getting to class and one of the black girls that was older than me pulled me to the side. And she was like, look, you see them white girls over there like you can't just sit in this class and do nothing like you better go out you have to make news packages and uh you have to earn your grade and i was just like okay so i went out did packages whatever and do you know at the end of that class them girls got like a's i think i got a b but they got A's. And then afterwards, I remember one of the girls talking. She was like, she was talking to the professor. And she was like, yeah, I was talking about you. I was like, you know, Kim Kim did like really good B work this semester. So I'm like, what? Like, you give me my grade in, in college. So I just remember wow. that. Like, that's one lesson I remembered about. Like, you just have to, you do like work twice as hard, you know, just to get somewhere. So that was Very something true. I related to him about. Okay. Well, good. Mm-hmm. All right, coming out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So coming out of there, man, like you had a powerful opening. So uh yeah, man, just following up on that. Did you find any parallels? Especially look, you read the book three times. So um did you identify with anything or have any parallels with your own life uh from reading this book? Well, I did, but I you know, I first want to start out with you know, start off with that. I just like, you know, I get excited about not just this book, but, you know, what we do as a culture of just bringing new ideas and different views and issues and, you know, and just highlighting from my own perspective. But, you know, from something I really identified with was his interaction with the police. And it's something that happened to me younger, but I didn't realize into what had happened until I got older about elitism and classism even amongst our Black community. Like, you know, I know when I was younger, I had got stopped by the police. Me speeding, got a ticket. I'm like, Lord, this man, my dad finna kick me off his insurance. So I tried to pay. So I tried to go to court and pay. And I remind you, I'm 17 in high school. Don't know what I'm doing. So I'm trying to Google the like all the facts of what's going on. But I went to court. This judge that I think he probably knew who my family was actually, you know, dismissed the ticket based and basically said that, you know, he knows somebody's up for re-election. Basically get try to get my family to support. And you know, when you're younger, that's not communicating like what what is he talking about? What did that mean? And you know, and I'm trying to still hide this ticket. So I still didn't communicate that information to my, you know, to my parents. But as I got older, I mean like it 
is he trying to, you know, get the vote based on you, you're getting a ticket away from me, but you want my family to come and vote for you? But, you know, mm-hmm. which I thought what was crazy. But something I really identified with was I, in the book, he talked about his friend Prince Jones and his interaction with the police officer. You know, and, and with um, Prince, he basically grew up in a predominantly white environment and was afforded, you know, some of the best perks in life. And he still succumbed by, you know, to his injuries to the police. You know, and Prince Jones, you know, this cop actually followed him through jurisdictions through um, a county, I think, in Maryland called uh, Prince George County, which is actually a predominantly black, you know, county. And, you know, where have we heard this story before? A black cop shoots a black person, you know, on the road in broad daylight. We, we, we heard this story so many times, you know. And, you know, just losing someone to injustice and unfairness is just too common, you know, and I think even for some of us, we have already not just experienced, but we have known somebody who has experienced, you know, a loss of life to the police officer. And, you know, even though even though um, Nehisi wrote this book like a long time ago, it still resonates within us all. Like, you know, we can mm-hmm. now all identify with some aspects without the book that we can grasp the hold to. And I think that like, even with this system, like, we not should just allow the change, but we should be making smaller steps forward to even put that change out there, you know, for just a better environment, not just for us, but for the people and our children that have come behind us. Yeah. Yeah, Most that's a good definitely. point. That's good. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, even if you bring it up, uh, <clears throat> you know, Prince Jones, like we kind of talked about in our last episodes with, you know, just, and it's been a continual, just a loss of life, by police officers yeah. at the hands of police officers and and like i said he's talking about an experience that he had a long time ago and we're still having these same experiences now we're still having these same um issues and it's, it's just a continual cycle and it's like you know when will it stop when will it end really? um, i mean if you're talking about you know you're getting a ticket um from the police like i remember literally being pulled over no, not pulled over, but being stopped in my driveway. Like I'm parked in my driveway, me and my one of my friends, wow. and being stopped by the police. Um, and I'm sitting in like in my in my parents' house and like did nothing, mm-hmm. no traffic violations, anything. Um, mm-hmm. and again, just these are some of the experiences that we have within this country for just being us for, for doing nothing. And you know, in this example, you know, uh, you know, Prince lost his life, but like I said, it was it was mm-hmm. It was for nothing. I mean, nothing. He did nothing wrong, but just a, a true testament of some of the experience that we have we have in this country as, as black men, as black people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's good. I, I kind of I want to have a little open discussion, open a little dialogue. What do you guys think are some of the, I guess maybe the hardships or some of the, the problem areas with being single in today's time, like is singleness hard is, is singleness hard i know we talking about marriage be hard it's but it's ghetto. hard <laughs> it's there the hood go, <laughs> so Larry, i don't like it <laughs> it gets worse every year <laughs> so look tell us about that Larry. why why do you think that what's going on now we always hear like it's pee in the dating pool like it, it is <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I kid. I kid. Yeah. But I'm for real. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, I'm like, serious. Like, for real. 
so tell us about that. Tell us about your perspective of singleness in today's time. I think that if I'm honest, I just think that our culture is dated out. Like we've dated too many people. Like I understand. <laughs> I understand arranged marriages now, like the new arranged marriages where families like try to hook their, they like, this might be a good match for you in Indian culture is the new way that they do it. And they'll bring somebody to their daughter and they'll see if it works out and if she likes or whatever. If not, the family goes and gets somebody else. Like, I think that's better than us doing it on our, because right now it's not working. And I feel like everybody's trying to put this, like Keisha got this. So-and-so got this. So if I could just put all four of them together, I could have one. Like, you're doing too much dating. It's too much. And then you start dating so many people when this person hurts you, that person. I mean, think about it. If you 50 and single, you done dated at least two or three people in a decade. <laughs> so you've been hurt at some point by somebody. And then you bring it over to me. <laughs> Who's sitting over here <laughs> looking for a husband? Look, I'm, I'm, I'm airing out all my yeah, stuff. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's like, I just feel like at this point for females and for males, we're dating too much. It's too much. Like there's not enough vetting going on before getting to the serious part. I feel like everybody is going too far deep in first month. Like, I'm still trying to decide if I want to go eat with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we can go get some coffee at Starbucks, but why am I going to dinner with you again in 90 days? Y'all done slept together. Y'all done did. Like, this, I mean, where is the commitment? You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like in our society, we, it's, it's just, it's really weird when, when you really start breaking it down. And I think that everybody's trying to have fun and all this stuff, but it ain't got no longevity in it and it's not cool. So look, I, I don't even know what the question was. I just got yeah. on. <laughs> That's her I done forgot. Rant. I didn't rant it for the day, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I just feel like we're as a culture of Americans, black, white, everybody, we're just doing too much. And I understand you want to date and all that. That's cool. But at some point that y'all got to stop. Like <laughs> it, it, it's too much. It's too much. And I feel like everybody's just, everybody's making their own money. So nobody, and that's, it's nothing wrong with having your own money, but that doesn't mean you don't need relationship. So, you know, nobody wants to be told what to do when you have to submit to one another. So I just keep dating and keep dating and keep dating. It's just, it's, like I said, that's what makes it hood and ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> so singleness is, 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 the, is, the, is the ghetto right now is basically what you're telling me. But I mean, it's cool in the sense of <laughs> I get to it's do cool what I want to ghetto. do. Yeah, it's cool to be in the ghetto. If you're trying to get married, it's a little hood. But if you're enjoying your life and traveling and doing, you know, it's cool. But if you're looking for relationship, you really got to be look, going back to the Lord. You got to be in prayer <laughs> and asking God, asking God to send what you need. You know what I'm saying? Woo, it's rough out here. <laughs> That's funny. Look, anybody else want to jump in on this, this singleness be hard topic? I don't know how to come in after that. I know. I'm 
like, uh. So Larissa just gave her a little mini rant over here. Oh, man. Saying it's, it's hood and ghetto and it cool. Is. And, and cool hard. It's, it's and, like being black. It's dangerous, but it's lit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I get it. I get it. But to to Laria's point, I I do agree. Um, I'm gonna leave you out there. I do think it's funny, like when you be hearing married people talking about, uh, like thinking about single life, and you be like, "Look, you don't want to come back out here. Like, don't do it. Stay where you stay where you at. You don't work it out. <laughs> work that out because it's hard out here. But um, like like with anything in life, there's positives and negatives of things so of course like she said you know single if you get to travel when you want i remember hearing like married friends being like oh, like me and laria we do something with a married friend they'd be like oh let me check like check my husband and i was like oh oh you gotta be like what we, we, we can't just get up and go or go on vacation or whatever so right. you know doing getting to make your own decisions doing what you want to do um traveling you know all that kind of stuff um, I think the other side is to just get with me, I'll say getting older, you know, you're like, okay, I want somebody in life to like share all these things with one. Um, so it's like, you kind of want to start doing things with somebody or sharing things with someone. Um, also, I think just with me, you know, want to have kids and a family and all this stuff. Like I went to see the little mermaid and I saw a little family there and I was like, Oh my gosh, like a family with their kids. Like, Oh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think, like it's it's plus and minuses with anything so with singleness i think it's the same thing and i just think you know like Maria said just it's gonna take a lot of prayer get you where you need to go but a lot of faith but um yeah that's how i feel about it so okay so look at the, the key word is look singleness is hood and ghetto and you gotta pray you gotta stay prayed up that's what i'm hearing <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah it, it's good it's good it, you know it has its pluses and minuses just yeah. like marriage yeah you know all right so look let's let's hear the male perspective on this i'm, I'm, I'm gonna let my brother kick this one off man i want to hear from you we don't hear from the women i don't put friends in the book bro what's your thoughts about again we're all unmarried so single in that regard hmm. what are your thoughts about singleness in today's time what well in today's time you know some I do agree to a certain extent that it is pee in the pool, but we also got filtration system to help clean up that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, we'll be, and I think when we start going into situations uh, or you know trying to actually mingle and get to know a person, you have to go in with a with a clean slate that you want to actually get to know that person, the the good and the bad. You can't go in looking for all the bad. Like you have to go in and be willing to, and actually doing the work to actually get to that good. So once you actually find that good, I think you actually going to be striking gold because when the, when in the first three to three to six months, a guy, a guy pretty much going to know if this is the right person for him and that he feel that he can put the work in that he want to spend the rest of life with this person. And I think what I was stating, um, early like the communication that's when the hard work's beginning like you know you're trying to put your life with that other person like even though you're not trying to actually I want to say you know con con conjoin at that very beginning but you know you're trying to actually bring that person into your world and actually trying to figure out you know that person in their world as well too and I think that's the most interesting part of it I don't, I wouldn't say singleness is all bad like you say we, you're getting to know this person you you getting to trying to figure that person out you're getting to travel eat and go and do 
places that you know go to different places and experience different things with the with whoever you're trying to get to know and i think you know that's the best part about you know being you know of trying to get to know a person like you know that's the openness of being vulnerable and you know i know it's hard being vulnerable and you don't want to actually let a person into your deepest dark secret but you know how can they actually get to know you the the real you not the surface part of but the real you what makes you tick what what do you like what don't you don't enjoy if you let you being vulnerable with that person so i think you i think it's good and bad in each situation but you also got to go in looking for the good and maintain and actually putting in the work to actually keep that good and keep going with it mm-hmm. that's good yeah, and let me say this. look i got one more little thing and i'm gonna be done for real be done <laughs> go for ahead real. girl go ahead one more thing but like with what i've noticed even with the book they got married younger mm-hmm. and i think when you're in your earlier years now i'm in my 40s so i understand if i would have gotten married in my 20s i would have probably had those issues plus some <laughs> because and like, this goes back to what Isaiah said, you have to know who you are as a person and be whole as a person before you can be with someone else. And I think that's one of the issues with the singleness as well. And even with marriages, it goes back to, are you content in who you are? Are you good with your purpose? Do you know why you're here? Because when you go outside of that and you don't know, somebody in a relationship starts having an issue because- you know, it's like, I enjoy doing this and I enjoy it. Well, now you don't need me anymore. You don't want me, da, 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 da. And it's like, and she even talked about that. Um, Melissa, she said his career started taking off and she's like, well, what about me? Cause you know, my mm-hmm. life isn't like that. And, but she had to find out who she was more so, so that she could be satisfied in herself. And I think that that's the biggest thing now, even in dating and in marriages, if you really look at it, somebody's got an issue with the other person. Um, because of their not being whole in who they are, being good with them. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that you have to, you just got a whole bunch of half people looking for somebody to validate them mm-hmm. when another person can't do that. That has to come from you. Yeah. Okay, but that's it. That's, I'm done. That's good. I'm done. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode that we actually gave you. Please tune into our next book, Jada Pickett Smith Worthy. Absolutely. And as always, let's continue to read, let's learn, let's grow. Let's have a discussion here on Four Friends in a Book. Thank you. Thank you, guys.